Hello, everybody. People, I hope you're ready for another NBA discussion today. We got a lot to get into here on Just for Sport on the Props Network. Thank you very much as we start this live stream. Hope you're watching now on our YouTube channel, Facebook, and on Twitch as we will be doing this every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Of course, you know, every week, I look forward to talking NBA with this man, uh, Mr. Joel Walkowski. We go way back, like two months. Two months of doing this. But in my mind, we go way back because we both talk the language of basketball. Now, we're going to get into uh, probably the best parlay bet I have ever seen in my uh, young career here with the Props Network. So i got to get Joel's opinion on that. We're obviously going to talk the Los Angeles Lakers against the Denver Nuggets, Boston versus Miami, uh, and then uh, parlays that he and I may like going into tonight's game. It's a big game tonight between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets um, after, boy, what a game three between these two teams that uh, really got me out of my seat. Uh, I, I couldn't believe, I could not believe the defensive missed assignment by one Mr. Plumley. If you've watched the replay of it, it was awful. And, and let's bring in Joel right now as we talk NBA hoops because I want to get his opinion on this as I, you know, rap wapsodic uh, <laughs> uh, about National Basketball Association bubble ball. Joel, how you doing? Good old Jamoke. Glad to be back with you. And I think Jamoke might be a little bit corrupted. He heard a certain song featuring Megan the Stallion and Cardi B. And now, you know, sweet family man Mr. Davis is just working that WAP into everything, just like he's the singers of those that song. <laughs> we don't go way back, but I don't this isn't gonna be a relationship till I see you smiling as joyously as you are in your background. Can we get that for me? Like <laughs> Yes, yes, that's right. Hey, listen, it's um, it's it's a, a background in the making that I'll that I'll make some changes over time. Uh, but I, I hope it is doing justice to what I have seen in your background and your new studio. Uh, it's I, really exciting. I'm the sleek. You're the style, baby. I'm, I've been a professional te- set builder for over 10 years, and I can't even tell you how impressed I am with your little <laughs> setup there. I'm that- trying. I'm trying. That's, that's got to be a weird, you've got to be stopping your kids from messing around to that corner all the time. If I was a kid and my dad built that, I would be messing that up all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh there's no doubt. They came down here this morning as I was setting up. I was like, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't get with, you know, they wanted the bobbleheads, everything. So, yeah, I got to keep them out of this room. Uh, one room that NASCAR owners could not keep Michael Jordan out of as we begin the layup line is the owner's room. The owner's room is Michael Jordan becomes NASCAR's first black principal owner, uh, partnering with Denny Hamlin. And hey, listen, the guy behind the wheel is going to be Bubba Wallace. I was excited to get this news. How about you, Joel? Hey, if there's anything we can respect Michael Jordan for, it has to be his drive. So congrats to Bubba Wallace. It was weird to see him leave the king, Richard Petty. You you wonder, is there a better offer out there? Well, I mean, Richard Petty, he's only the king in the NASCAR arena. In the rest of the world, the king is Michael Jordan. Respect to LeBron's nickname. <laughs> you know, 
I've been watching a little bit more, you know, NASCAR over the past few months. I watched a little bit during the pandemic, and it's good they've got these kind of across the aisle interests going on because I want to tune in. I like the goofy graphics on Monday Night Football every week. Yeah, those are great. The the graphics on NASCAR are incredible. The first five minutes I watched, they turned a guy's wheels into wheels of cheese. So, yeah, this might be the sport for my Midwestern ass. (laughs) And it'll be really exciting. I mean, actually, the funny thing is this is, as I was doing research, this isn't Jordan's first foray as an owner. He's a motorcycle enthusiast. And in 2004, he launched the Michael Jordan Motorsports Racing Team. Uh, the AMA Pro Superbike Series. So, you know, this is somewhat new for him, um, and I'm really excited about it. And Bubba Wallace, obviously, the controversy with the noose in his garage, and was it really a noose? How long it had been there? You know, I just, you know, like to see the two of them coming together. And, uh, you know, it's funny because as a dad, when you say the king and Richard Petty, I think of the king in the movie Cars, because I watched that way too much. So that, I was I'm the-, the only person alive who likes cars. I, <laughs> I I hitchhiked to see the movie Cars 2, and I spoke about it so enthusiastically. The guy who picked me up hitchhiking saw the film with me. He did. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Lightning McQueen. and uh, We all got to slow down, take what life gives to us. That's a, There's a good lesson in that movie. Yeah, People turn really, into yeah. NBA bubble bets, and they're finding out our takes on cars. <laughs> Cards. All right, let's move on to this seven-leg parlay bet that a customer put down $10 and won $1,600, the largest payout, I'm sure, in his life. I don't know if I'll ever see a payout like this. What is your best parlay bet ever? And I go down the line here it's just amazing. LeBron James over 22 and a half. The Lakers in between one and 10 win margin. Jamal Worry over 24 and a half. Anthony Davis over 28 and a half. Contavious Caldwell Pope over nine and a half. Nikola Jokic over six and a half assists. And LeBron James under eight and a half assists. Can what do we, you think? I, I would actually like to place a counter bet. I would like to put odds that this young man or woman who placed this parlay watched uncut gems within a week of placing. <laughs> I mean, you see an irresponsible parlay like this. Multiple guys over points. Multiple guys o- over assists. The craziest one on this one is he had LeBron James under eight and a half assists. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to get into a seven-leg parlay, you can't be expecting to win. It's a dumb luck endeavor. It reminds me of my best friend and walk-on listener, Nick Ola, who picked all 16 NFL Moneyline games correctly this week. Didn't place the bet. What? Oh, man. He's not a gambler. He's got a baby on the way. I shouldn't say that, but um, that's private information. Sorry. Don't <laughs> one next. Um, but yeah, he's not a gambler, but he picks the games every week and he's always right. But I'm so stubborn. I, tur- I turn his picks away and I go my own way. But if we're going to talk about my best parlay hit, I like when this ball is crazy. You can't really anticipate where it's going. But a couple of years ago, we had the inevitable finals, Cavs versus Warriors, year after year. And in the second round, I believe it was 2017, mm-hmm. I, I put the Cavs to sweep the Raptors and parlayed that with the Warriors to sweep the Jazz. 100 to win 1,600, best parlay win of my life. 
Wow. Okay. I had a nice parlay on that Laker game too. I, my Sunday evening, I, I put the favorite money lines together. I tied the Seahawks and Russell Wilson with the Lakers and Anthony Davis. Just want to name the best player on each of these teams, you know? <laughs> and Anthony Davis puts up that last second shot. Was never any doubt that anytime that guy had the ball in his hands, I'm feeling a new level of confidence. Anthony mm-hmm. Davis is ascending before his eyes. That's all I talk about on the Props Network. I talk about Anthony Davis and Jason Tatum. <laughs> Anthony Davis, who um, uh, has just, you know, he calls Kobe as we move to the Western Conference matchup. The Lakers are up 2 nothing. It should have been 1-1, but Anthony Davis calls Kobe on that game-winning shot. The funny thing for me is, I'm watching it live, and it made me go back to, I'm going to say there was like five, six minutes in the game. That's his sweet spot for a three-pointer. Absolutely. You know, he like, goes to the corner every time. And if you're playing a bit, if you're a big man. Or the wing three, excuse me. You don't really get like open looks at the top of the key unless you're Jokic shooting his set shots. But those elbows for the three-point line, that is the sweet spot for any three shooting big. That's the only place I can hit a three-pointer from. So it was ama- It was good. To- it was heartening for me to see Anthony Davis step it up, stroke it. In like, wow, last five minutes of the game, I think he hit a next level. He really did because I, I think, well, I'd like to say it was, it was Charles Barkley who said that, you know, he's – He's not really a superstar, and if it seems like that's what really kind of like propelled him if someone you know comes to the bench and says, "Yo, people are calling you out and Anthony Davis, I mean, it's been a rough week for him in that I think there has always a conversation of people on one side or the other thinking Anthony Davis is a superstar or not, whatever reason she didn't do it. I was reading on Twitter that like Maria Taylor didn't vote Anthony Davis as on the first, second, or third all team. And it was like, oh, I forgot that he was. (laughs) I forgot about him. Like, it just seems like people forget about Anthony Davis. And you forget about Anthony Davis because he's very well-rounded. He's not exciting. He's kind of like Giannis if he had grown up focusing on ball skills as opposed to selling dvds i mean different strokes for different folks but anthony davis like there's nothing really interesting about his game and like the lay person will be more fascinated with Jokic. but i mean if we're talking big men prospects if we're talking transcendent guys there's no question anthony davis is a superstar and has been since the second season i mean what's what's your line to call someone a superstar I think if you're a superstar, you've got to average double. If you if you're not averaging double double a season, I, I I think that you know okay you're like at twenty plus points, nine or ten plus rebounds. I mean, excuse me, uh, yeah, rebounds. You know, maybe four or five assists, uh, and I think that's probably my line there. You gotta have you gotta be on a team that wins. I and think I, that's a tough I, part. I, Simpler. I think you can't. I think you can't make it about numbers, Jamoke. Like, Why not? Because by your logic, Tyreek Evans would have been a superstar in his rookie year. <laughs> no, because I didn't. I didn't finish everything. I, I didn't finish everything. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm jumping in. I think he became a superstar when he single-handedly won a playoff series against the Portland Trailblazers. Like 
if you're going to single-handedly swing a series, and I'll put Anthony Davis in that category, I'll put Donovan Mitchell in that category because of his rookie year success against OKC and Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I, think, I think if you're against the best players in the world and you single-handedly turn a series, that's the line for me. And there's been no question about Davis pretty much his entire career in my book. Yeah, I, I think that this year, obviously, joining with LeBron makes a big difference for him. Um, when you look at maybe he got lost a little bit in New Orleans um, just because you're not in a major media market. But I think that you've got to elevate your team is really, in my book, what makes you an all-star. And I know some people... You know, I think there's some gray area of what people think of what an all-star should be and how that correlates to the individual performance versus a team performance. But I think an all-star elevates the team. And Anthony Davis was on a peak of doing that. But I don't think that in New Orleans, he was able to get them over the hump. Now he's got help in the greatest player playing on the court right now, LeBron James, who is helping him be able to become a, you know, a superstar on a different level, not just because of who he's playing with, but playing with in LA. But if you look at the play as we shift to, you know, Plumlee's mistake. Can I make one point before you yeah. shift gears? And it's going to tie into something I've been saying this entire time. Is the biggest thing affecting Anthony Davis this year? I don't necessarily think it's playing alongside LeBron James. I think it's not playing in that New Orleans Pelicans organization. I think they had a terrible head coach. I think they don't have a real training staff, which explains his kind of injury woes over the years. So I think the biggest net positive is just going to an organization that will put the money into these franchises that deserves to be put into them. Like... That's the real difference to me. He's playing in the Lakers. He's a marquee player, and he's accepting. He's reaching out. He's grabbing his destiny like a Dwight Howard goaltend of being the next great big man in purple and gold. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that to your point about an organization, let's also realize that an organization, some teams have a history of not being a good organization. Others you know, make the proper moves. I mean, if you look at Golden State Warriors, at the Golden State Warriors, you know, before Mark Jackson came there, they, and Steph Curry, you know, some would say that they weren't really a good organization. And as they kind of built up their staff and the players uh, and the front office, you know, their culture has changed over time. You know, going back to New Orleans, if you look at Alvin Gentry is no longer there, maybe you're going to see a change in the coaching staff. And, you know, I hope that what you're referring to, it's not like it's not true, but now you've got Zion there. And let's hope he's not going to go through the same thing that Anthony Davis went through. And then he's going to be out of New Orleans as well as he realizes, hey, I can't win here. Yeah, and I, I think he's playing in the West. I think there's a lot of very talented teams out there, but Anthony Davis is no question a top five player. He's probably top one or two right now. Like mm -hmm. maybe I'd put Harden above him given my scale of judgment, but I think the Lakers team does belong to him. You're seeing him kind of try and reach that superstar status in just a couple months. 
because I've seen Anthony Davis trying out a lot of different personas, trying out a lot of different haircuts. And it's fun to see him kind of find his way. Like Superstar is like, maybe he's not accepted the way he is because he's just not cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he's Lillard having all the biggest moments in a rap career. It's not like he's Harden, who's this ISO ball genius. He just, he's excellent at every aspect of the game that he's conceivably asked to play. And, you know, we talk, I, I, what, is there even a player comp for him? Because, like, I kind of get it. Like, if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was born 40 years later, I think he would be very similar to what Anthony Davis is doing right now. Defensive dominance and then an offensive repertoire that isn't based on, like, speed or strength or leaping ability. It's kind of based on grace and limberness. Mm-hmm. Assuming Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could have developed a three-point shot. You know, if you're coordinated enough to do a fight scene with Bruce Lee, I guarantee you you could do a three-point shot. I mean, that would be – he'd have the jump hook and the three-point shot. He'd be unstoppable, and he was already unstoppable in the 80s. Yeah, the jump is a harder shot than the three-pointer. It it really is, which actually on the other – on the Denver Nuggets, uh, you know, the possession before that three-pointer – that was a pretty good jump hit, jump hook by Nikola Jokic um, over Anthony Davis to put Denver up one. But to go back to that defensive play, you know, Plumlee, Plumlee definitely messed up. You know, there was talk of him and Grant trying to decide, are you going over the pick, going under the pick? LeBron didn't set a pick. There's no doubt that Plumlee should have kept going with Anthony Davis, and he may not even have gotten the ball. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I'm leaving Grant to have to guard LeBron, who may, as soon as Plumlee went behind LeBron, did a flip around for alley-oop or, you know, quickly twisted around to call for the ball in the post so he can get an easier shot. Who knows what would have happened there? Bottom line, Anthony Davis hit the shot. He was open, and Jokic tried to defend it, but he was too late on that. And I just I, think that – I thought Jokic was there, like – they they were had a hand in his face. They do what you're supposed to do with a shooter. They didn't do the Paul George raising the wrong hand to defend a shot. <laughs> they had that shot defended like you would want that shot defended. Maybe they weren't there initially and he had the look, but it's not like he had this wide open three. They messed mm-hmm. up the switch in a stressful moment. Yeah. The savvy veteran team. So I... I and you know what? It's going back to that Doc Rivers corollary. Like Doc Rivers, he blew games before when he overdid his substitution patterns. Mm-hmm. Like I think he brought in Daniel Ewing for one defensive stop at the end of a game and he blew it. Plumley was losing out on his minutes to PJ Dozier throughout that game, and they brought him in ice cold off the bench and he messed up a switch. Okay. Um he did he did mess up a switch, but I think unfortunately for me, I felt like if it wasn't the fact that if it wasn't the fact that it was LeBron James, I get that in that moment you just don't know about making why you would make the switch. Now here's the other thing. Jokic and Plumley to both score the final 22 points in that fourth quarter is quite amazing as well. That is amazing. And 
you, Nikola Jokic, you can't say enough positive things about him unless you're on Twitter. Can we stop the running jokes about what Jokic looks like? The guy's going to be on all NBA teams for the next decade. He's stunningly young. He's finally in shape for the first time. And, you know, we talk about the, the Mavericks being the next great team. There mm-hmm. isn't an assembly of talent that you would want over what Denver has. Yeah. Um, I can pontificate if you for if you need to cover for a second. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go off the rails and rip here. So we talk about this like great great duo with Luca and Porzingis. We talk about the forwards in Boston, Brown and Tatum, and maybe we can even throw the Splash Brothers 2.0 in Miami there, which I'm sure we will get to. But you know, if you're building a team, you see the core of Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr. and the assets to trade for another star. Denver is the one waiting in the wings to be the next great team in the NBA. And regardless of how game two went, regardless of how this Lakers series went, I've seen not only great offense, but an amazing coaching job in a franchise identity. That is the sort of thing that lifts, lifts an entire basketball team to new heights. Lifting a basketball team to new heights. Well, the one thing I always talk about is culture and player development. And I think it's, I know the Nuggets have had to jettison people just because they didn't have enough playing time for them. And the fact that they can just give away Nurkic, they can give away Malik Beasley and still have a deep, effective, high upside nine man rotation is an incredible feat. My hat's off is to Mike Malone, and you know he's a good coach because Sacramento fired him after a season. I, I I think it goes to talking about the culture, the culture of the Denver Nuggets. Um, what Shout out to Tim Conley. I feel like I keep bringing him up a lot. What he has done with that organization and building a staff. You know, Mike Malone, yes, his coaching, his strategy may have come into question and and he may not even be the coach if they had lost to the Utah Jazz. But they stayed the course. They tried um, to not get in a situation where they were panicking. And they came down one, one, three, and two series to win. I hope that that is built character for them. But I think it's different if you think about the Clippers being a new franchise and trying to come together and gel, so to speak, um, and you talk about the Jazz who are still on the cusp and a young team, this Lakers team is completely different. And I think the ne- I think it's kind of been a the postseason. It's maybe running out of intrigue as soon as Anthony Davis hit that shot. But I think probably from a long view perspective. If we're going to have a great league, we need players like Jokic and Murray and Jason Tatum to reach their absolute peak potential. And there's no better like education for these guys than the playoff road they've gone on. Yeah, like, Jokic has gone toe to toe with LeBron, with Kawhi Leonard, with Donovan Mitchell, and there is like such a confidence about that team right now that nothing Dwight Howard says after the game is going to take away. Like, <laughs> Dwight Howard. Props to the Lakers, props to LeBron, props to AD and Rondo, but the the end of the bench guys need to just com- com- behave with just a modicum of professionalism. Like, you're the Los Angeles Lakers. You're a pristine franchise. We don't need you telling 
a worthy, respectable opponent to go home after game two when you've been fouling five times on a single play, Dwight? Yeah, I, I think there is uh, definitely Dwight Howard. This is his second time with the Lakers. Last time he was Superman and it failed because Kobe was like, yeah, I don't really want you on this team. Uh, you're not a winner. And I think that he's getting a kind of a reprieve in this second go round. But, you know, I'd like to think that you can be better sportsmen about it. And, you know, I mean, it, the, the series is early. If nothing else, even if you do have all the confidence in the world, Los Angeles Lakers, as you get ready for game three tonight, which will, you know, definitely if they go up 3-0, you know, okay, you could say the series is over, but Denver has proven that they're not going to let anything rattle them. Let's look at the spread for tonight. We've got the Lakers at minus six and a half, money line minus 278 for the Lakers, uh, looking at bet MGM plus 220 for the Nuggets. Uh, what are your thoughts on where these numbers are, what, where would you bet going into game three tonight and the over under at 213 and a half? I think I'll be on the Lakers with the spread and I think I'll be on the under. I mean, there's an emotional exhaust, exhaustion to everything that's Denver Denver has done. And, to you know, I think it they had that moment. They could have made it a series at the end of game two, but that's going to be a deflating loss. And can we talk about how difficult their journey has been. So I think, I think you know briefly that I am a graduate student. I'm studying finance and business administration at the University of Michigan when I'm not here at the Props Network. So as a probability assignment, I didn't see this talked about anywhere. I wanted to compute the chances of the Nuggets coming back from two straight 3-1 deficits. And the chances of that happening are... 0.317%. So that that's likely to happen three times out of a thousand. I wow. can only imagine how depleted this team is. They've been, they've, they're young. So they're playing rather insane minutes. Like I think Jokic and Murray are around 42 minutes per game. Mm -hmm. So with their backs against the wall, I think it scrapes against the limits of what the human body's capable of for them to rally once again. Yeah. And I agree with that. Uh, it's, you know, it's 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 just going to be really tough to do it a third time. I think as we look to the next series, you know, everybody said, you know, obviously Boston needed to win or else they were going to go down 3-0. But, you know, in this situation, Denver, the funny thing is I imagine in the Denver locker room, they can say what Paul George said after they are eliminated. They were eliminated by the Nuggets that, oh, well, you know, this season wasn't really about winning a championship. I think Denver can say we have overachieved to get to where we are. Whereas the Clippers, literally, they, you know, as you read the reports of other players were rolling their eyes as Paul George was trying to address his teammates. And they were like, no, we were built to win now. Denver, yeah, every team goes into a season, you know, trying to win a championship. But for Denver, about building a rapport, you know, this was a unique situation being in the bubble that all teams were coming into it not knowing what to expect and where they were going to be seated and how well they were going to play. Denver, 
has definitely uh, overachieved in in my mind. And I th- is the focus too much on winning a title? Like, because I know that there one team out of 30 wins the title every year. But if we're going to talk about teams that make a historic runs that earn a place in basketball fans hearts everywhere. We've mm-hmm. been so blessed this off this bubble season, like the, the performances by the Portland trailblazers, the Miami heat, the Denver nuggets and the Toronto Raptors all kind of like just are a microcosm of the things I love about this sport and the team dynamic that is possible to achieve at the highest level of basketball. And yeah, they might not win the title, but if, they're in the pantheon of great, likable teams. Yeah, they really are. Um, I'm going to, I think this game is still going to be, I imagine this game is going to be close. Um, so I could see taking Denver plus six and a half um, and the under. But I think the Lakers, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go up 3 0 and close out the series. As they, they toyed with every team, this is, you know, the first series that they didn't lose game one and then come back and win it i think that they've kind of know where they are and they're like oh we got this we got the nuggets instead of the clippers so they're just going to breeze right through absolutely and i may on the down low on a bit of gossip the lakers are very confident i can tell you that rajan rondo has already given away his championship ring for this season And to God, that is my story. I will not reveal my source, but let's just say the Lakers are extremely confident. And I got connections to Rondo. That's why I wear those awful shoes that Rajon once wear. Oh, you know, late at night, I'm talking hoops with the degenerates on Facebook Messenger, and I get a little bit of info about just how confident Rajon Rondo is. And, you know, he's an NBA champion. He's a World Connect Four champion. And this guy knows when a championship is about to happen. And, dude, Vegas knows it, too. The yeah. latest title lines, after that after that Anthony Davis shot, they shifted in a manner of hours from minus 250 to minus 500. So if you're saying, what is... What's the point of betting on the Lakers now? We see right here Western Conference winner, Lakers minus 5,000, Nuggets plus 2,000. There's no point. What, what are you putting money down on the Lakers to to win for? I, you can't. Get minus 500 for a future when um, they're probably not as well run of, as a basketball franchise as either of the teams coming out in the East. Like mm-hmm. It's a sucker bet all the way. Minus 250, I can maybe justify it, but minus 500 even if you throw down and win that bet it probably doesn't justify the risk of it yeah all right let's go to the other side boston miami boston staved off what would have been a dead basketball team they win a game the series is 2-1 they play tomorrow night tonight are lakers nuggets at nine o'clock tomorrow celtics heat at 8 30 forward give me that give me that celtics heat game come on oh i I don't understand why we're taking so long it's like i don't know if the league is trying to play catch up so that the lakers can't rest any longer because I, I don't get it because I feel like the Lakers are about to sweep. So, you know, you want the Celtics and the um, Miami heat to play like two or three more games before game three. Yeah. But um, the NBA has done a beautiful job with this restart. They've botched the schedule across the board. We've seen them put a 
they've somehow they they're ducking the Browns Bengals Thursday night football game, <laughs> but they're still putting the Clippers and Nuggets game five up against Sunday football kickoff. Pick yeah, plane, guys. And you know what's with these six thirty and nine o'clock starts? Did anyone complain about the eight and ten thirty beginnings? I mean. I'm a 31-year-old Brooklyn resident, and I'm able to play a basketball game at 10.30. I don't understand why LeBron and Anthony Davis and Jokic can't do the same thing. I definitely know that there, I read that there were some complaints from you know uh, the Lakers camp, and maybe it was just LeBron saying, I'm tired of playing all of these late games, but you, know, you want the primetime games in the bubble for the networks. Um, as far as I can see, uh, we've got the... Celtics Heat, if you're looking at this series, do you see the Heat being able to win this game four? And, you know, basically it will no longer be a series if they get this game four. If you take, Unless you know. I'll trade for Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'll say. If you take the, will you take the Celtics minus three? Yeah, I think uh, I, Vegas is telling us that the Celtics are winning this game. The fact that Boston is minus 135 for a series in which they trail, I think that's a good sign. And minus three, that's a pre, that's not a lot of points to put down. And I also mm-hmm. think it's very interesting. Boston, the games in which they've played, the road team has now won 12 consecutive games going back to game two against Philadelphia in round one. That's the last time the home team won. Yeah. So I see no reason why not to back the away team until it backfires. Uh, Speaking of backfire, Marcus Smart yelling at the team may have been the smartest play he made to kind of light a fire under them. Coach Stevens met with the leaders of the team after it was found out that they were yelling in the locker room in game two. Um, after is it found out? I think it was hard to ignore. It was hard. Not, it was hard to ignore. Well, like, you know, the reports were like, "Oh, they're two rooms away. I can still hear them now. <laughs> I can still hear them." But is it okay that the best player on the team is not the vocal leader? Yeah, like they go the way Marcus Smart goes, not the way Kimba Walker, Jalen Brown, or Jason Tatum goes, mind you. You know, you can't really put Kimba Walker in there because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have gone farther in the playoffs in their two years in the league than uh, all of the years that Kimba Walker was in in Charlotte. I mean, if we're talking about best player on the Celtics, I can't put Kimba Walker higher than third in any list. I'm okay with Marcus Smart raising his voice. Like, that's... You know, you you hear about those incidents. If it was Tatum, if it was Brown, maybe I'd be a, a little worried. If it, I saw it was Marcus Smart, I placed my bet on them for game three <laughs> immediately. And like the Celtics, like they had those likable Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Marcus mm-hmm. Smart teams, and they kind of defined their culture. And it's Marcus Smart is the link throughout the entire Brad Stevens era. He's not the best player on the team. But yeah. he isn't a great Celtic. Yeah, he is. I even liked in the bubble. He was throwing Enos Cantor in the water. Um, he wouldn't go in himself. So even if he's yelling at the team, it seems like they get along. Uh, did the Heat take their foot off the pedal a little bit? Because Marcus Smart is here, but you know I'd put Jimmy Butler as far as intensity 
and like taking the game seriously way up here. He's been drinking a lot more coffee than Marcus Smart. He's amped he up. He doesn't have to pay $20 a cup. So of course he's going to drink more coffee. <laughs> when you're the supplier, you can dip into the till a little bit more easily. <laughs> yeah, I bought this for $40 from Jimmy Butler on my way over. <laughs> no, the Heat did not take their foot off the gas pedal. Like Boston blew them out of that game, but still Miami was somehow in it. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, they're kind of like, Duncan Robinson and Tyler here, I not to go all Pixar again, but in Toy Story 4, there are those dummies in the antique shop who <laughs> you just can't stop them from coming. And that's what Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero are. They're just going to amble forward. They're going to put up a three, and all of a sudden, they're back in the game. Yeah, and, and that's interesting, too, because all three games, Miami gets down early and has to battle back. That's another thing Jimmy Butler talked about is we've got to stop this you know, pattern of not being able to start out a game well. I mean, game one, they were immediately down by seven points. I think game two, they were down by 12 points early and then 20 points. Like it's just, they compound the problem and then they got to dig themselves out of a hole on a regular basis. But that's okay. I mean, they play in a way to dig themselves out of a hole. Jimmy Butler's so effective at creating free throw opportunities that he's kind of able to just stop the game in its tracks, collect, get his two points, go back down the floor. So that's kind of like a, a, they do like a series of mini timeouts. They get to the free throw line so effectively. Mm-hmm. And I think is the reason they are coming back from down because they have the best second unit in the NBA. I think that might be the reason why. Like their five is probably worse than any other team left starting five, but they've got the best bench by an extremely wide margin. I like that. Good point. Good point. And All right. Before we get to picking props, Bet MGM Sportsbook is live for legal betting in Colorado, Indiana, Nevada, New Jersey, and West Virginia. Are you betting on NFL or NBA this season? How about the French Open? Take some of that action to Bet MGM. Why? Because for a limited time, BetMGM has a special signing bonus for the Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use code JUSTSPORT20 to get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $500. That's right. Just enter code JUSTSPORT20 and up to $500 bonus bankroll is yours. Then you'll enjoy all that BetMGM has to offer because they've got a lot. Like earning $10 free bets every week in the Monday Money Monday Club, multi-sport parlay boosters, and the new Edit My Bet feature that allows players to change their bet tickets after they are submitted. So try BetMGM with code JustSport20 now while the offers last. But you must be 21 over the bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Uh, sorry, Joel, if I cut you off there. No, over here, it was a delight to watch your ad read. Not only that, sitting here in the bet bunker, I could watch Sammy Kotler vibe out to your ad read. You got a little <laughs> anime. I, I just saw Sam go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at some parlays. Uh, you can get LeBron James and Anthony Davis both scoring 30-plus points at plus 425. Do you take it? No. No? That's the, 30 points is a lot in – LeBron, you know, maybe maybe this is a blowout, I'm thinking. I'm thinking this could be reminiscent of game one. Maybe that, those guys don't play 36, 38 minutes. You might see more around 27, 28 from them. Okay. 
I guess I get so excited. Like I expect in this game, you know, they they want to try to end in the in the Denver Nuggets and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to put this team on their back. But I'm going with the pro. That's what you say. Don't take it. Nikola Jokic to record 25 plus points and 10 assists at plus 575 on BetMGM. You taking that one? Yeah, I'm I'm taking that one. I think he'll I mean on the for the same logic. I think he'll be on the court around 40 minutes even if in the, in the case of a blowout. So, I'm all about it. Okay. Futures, NBA Finals winner, Lakers minus 304. You can see that line. Where huh? where's that line from? Minus this from, this from Bet MGM. Yeah. Man, I got to cross state lines and give some of my business <laughs> to the official sports book of the Detroit Lions. I'm on these shady offshore sites. I need better partners like the ones at the Props Network. Uh, yes, you do. 500. You can get Miami at plus 500, Boston at plus 650, Denver at plus 2,500. Denver still got a shot. Why not put money down on them? Because that money will be gone in four days. <laughs> in four days. Why not put money down? Man, you're giving gambling advice. You can't be saying, why not put money Are you in the pocket of BetMGM? No, Denver's not winning this series. They're not. And I don't they're think not. they're in the finals. They're not. I, and honestly, the odds are so skewed. Just take the, whoever wins the East to win the, the, the championship. They've been doing their rotations longer. They've got a firmer identity. And I think there are like matchups in just the level of athleticism with both Boston and Miami that mm-hmm. should give the Lakers some difficulties. And if you had to pick one of the two, uh, you got your final opponents, Miami and the Lakers at minus 139, Boston and the Lakers at plus 115, Miami and Denver at plus 3,000, Boston and Denver at plus 4,000. But realistically, are you taking Miami or Boston against the Lakers? I'm taking Miami. Wow. Yeah, I I just think it's that second unit because when the late during that like eight to ten minutes where they don't have their starting fives out there, that's probably gonna be Miami plus twelve in those minutes. And you know what? LeBron teams like LeBron's only lost playoff series when there's an amazing defender uh, on the other side. You can go through it like the majority, like I think every playoff series he's lost, there's been a defensive player of the year candidate on the mm-hmm. opposing team. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I think there's probably two great defenders on Miami. You got Butler, you got Bam, and those, that's probably a good matchup for Davis and LeBron, at least in terms of physicality. Those two are going to make the superstars of the Lakers work and grind a little bit more. But that isn't to say I don't see the upside of a, a Boston series. If Boston wins game four, does that change your mind or you still think over the long haul Miami will will still win the series? Um, I'm on Miami before the series, but I, I'm throwing my hands up to say anything can happen. These are two marvelous basketball teams, and I've loved Miami the entire season, and I've hated the Celtics my entire life. I can't help but root for Jason Taylor <laughs> watching can't. him like – Every time I, I I turn him on, he does something that impresses me. I'm in love with him as a player. And there's two things I hate about him. So that really makes me cheer for him just a little bit more. Fix those slight flaws, Jay. Fix those slight. I, I love Jason Tatum. I love his story. Uh, you know, obviously, I have a personal connection to the Jason Tatum story. I, I don't that, know. Because St. Louis through Beal or what? Okay. So, um 
It was the most amazing experience ever. Beal gets drafted by the Wizards, and he got drafted by the Wizards in 2012. Um, and 20 summer of 2013, my it's seven years ago. So yeah, I could forget the years. I go to do a story. I follow Beal for a few days in St. Louis and he goes back to his high school, uh, Chaminade. He's hosting a basketball camp there, which, um, he still holds and he's got a AAU team now and a bunch of stuff he's done with basketball. But after I finished an interview with Bradley, after I think it was like day two of of following him around at the camp, and I see this camp counselor there. And Brad says, yo, you got to go talk to this camp counselor. He's this young player for Chaminade. And I think he's going to be an NBA baller someday. And you should interview him. And, you know, I've kind of treat him like my little brother. So I interview him. Hey, what's your name? And he's like, oh, my name's Jason Tatum. I was like, oh, okay. So I do a nice interview with him. And I had never seen him play. All I see is passing the ball, little kids. Okay, jump higher. You know, go to the elbow. You know, you know, make sure you get your form right on your free throws. And, you know, then I get to see him play a little uh, after the camp ends. Bradley and Jason and some other guys are, you know, they're playing five on five on the court. And I'm watching this kid. And I'm like, who? Is Brad like Nostradamus? I mean, this this kid looks amazing, but I'm like, but even then, I'm like, I don't know if he's gonna be an NBA superstar. You know, he's here in Chaminade, a private school. I don't know much about it. And then sure enough, you know, who are we watching on the court but Jason Tatum, who I feel like, even they even though they weren't real brothers, it's like Bradley Beal was Serena's will Serena Williams. I mean, Bradley Beal's Venus Williams. And Jason Tatum's is Serena Williams. He's just been watching Brad his entire career. Brad's been in his ear, and he's built the perfect basketball superstar who can lead a team to the NBA Finals, and it's Jason Tatum. Greatest story ever. That's amazing. Fantastic story. And you can kind of see that Jason Tatum has idolized Bradley Beal. Like, he plays like a five-inch taller version of Bradley Beal. Maybe he gets to the rim a little better, but... He doesn't embrace that as much as he should. And that just goes to show St. Louis, Chicago, these Midwestern cities, the basketball fraternity runs so deep. Like I play ball with a lot of homies from Chicago and even they're like, man, we love these St. Louis cats. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I, I, I was so impressed uh, to see him when he got drafted and how well he's doing. And I know Brad is as well. Um, and, uh, I still have that interview on a drive somewhere that I need to just, I'll put it up. I will put it up on the props network so you can see part of the interview and watch him play as a kid, but let's go to my final story. We're talking about even younger basketball players, Jared Dudley with the OG gray goatee. I am just amazed that these little young ballers the 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 younger generation of these NBA players that are growing up in the bubble now that they've allowed family there we've got little seven and and, and five year olds playing better basketball than you and I could play because they're learning from Lakers great coaches uh, doing drills with with NBA players this is the new pipeline. For the NBA, they're going to have a bubble with all of the the young kids of these NBA players are going to going to like go into their own school and camp and be their own AAU teams. 
First of all, if I play against Jared Dudley's son, Juju, I'm winning that game. He's six years old. It would look like the kickball scene in Billy Madison. Like, it's going off right there. But, you know, we t- what's a, the biggest factor for me in, like, who's going to be a great player is who their dad was. Like, and we've seen a track record of kids whose parents were professional athletes. Kyler Murray comes to mind. Donovan Mitchell comes to mind. So it is this kind of pipeline that is now becoming more apparent given the social media channels. Yeah. And now it's crazy to think that we're at a point where why even go to school? I mean, the funny thing is we're behind the curve. Like if you look at EPL, Right. I mean, in some of the La Liga, uh, Bundesliga, they're taking these kids at five and six and putting them into a soccer training camp and maybe other sports as well. But I only really have followed it from the soccer perspective. And they're basically growing professional athletes. You're you're getting them at a younger age. You're teaching them the game, hopefully the right way. And that's what's happening here. Hey, regardless of what they do in EPL and European soccer, I know it's a better method of player development than AAU. Hey, give give me the bubble basketball camp. It'll be better than this AAU cesspool. Let's have some American players with uh, well-rounded games at the age of 18. How about that? I agree with that. I agree with that. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing what what these players become just like I was able to kind of see Jason Tatum before he's Jason Tatum let's see what kind of juju juju will have on the basketball court when he's what who knows he could be drafted in eighth grade they may change it from high school to if you've got the game and in the height we'll take you I don't know if the G League expands, we'll see. And like the future, it's we're going to be able to tell. Ju- just watch a kid out of Ypsilanti, Michigan, friend of the family, actually, Imani Bates. I mean, he's the oh, yeah. great one, and he'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, before we get out of here, can we touch on the NBA, all NBA teams? Oh, oh, okay. So I know you're a little upset. <sighs> I know your guy got jobbed a little bit, and I think you're right to be upset about it. I'm talking a guy we touched on, Bradley Beal, didn't score 30 points a game, didn't make the all-star team, didn't make the all-NBA team. And this guy, he's having a great career in obscurity. So, one, as I talked to Michael Lee last week on Just for Sport, there is no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, that he should have made the all-NBA third team in my mind, over Ben Simmons. If it had to be one player, it should have been Ben Simmons. His numbers averaging 30 points per game alone is enough. I I don't, what else do you need out of him? He had multiple 50 point games. I just don't understand why If you don't get national televised games, okay, I'll give you that. But it doesn't change the fact that the people who are voting should should not be relying on who's on television anyway. Yeah, and if you look at the third team All-NBA, which is where Bradley Beal belongs, Russell Westbrook battled injury, Ben Simmons battled injury, Rudy Gobert shut down the country. So yeah, I'm probably going to go with Bradley Beal over any of those guys. And yeah, he he deserves his recognition, 
I think Washington will be surprisingly relevant next year and maybe wall will be in the Robin role. So hopefully this motivates Bradley Beal to be on this Wizards team that is sure to shoot a million three-pointers next year with him. The problem is he's the first player since 1982 to average 30 points per game and not make all NBA. 4.2 rebounds, career high 6.1 assists without John Wall on the court. I don't know how much more you expected out of him. And for him to not get a nod, the only thing I would say is I know that shout out to Kamaya Bill. Bill, she was upset about him not making the All-Star All-NBA team, which I agree with. And But at the same time, if you look at the voters, you know, I think that will come into question. But also if I'm Bill, I'm like, you got to say, just like Michael Lee said to me, who are you taking off? Who are you saying if you're Bradley, okay, that player should not have made it and I should have made it? Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. (laughs) I say Simmons. I think that at least if you look at the Houston Rockets, Rockets, I guess also injury, yes. I think that the Rockets had a much better season than Philly. I think that Bradley Beal has a better all-around game compared to Ben Simmons. It but was it's, it's the it's easy not as big of a name as Ben Simmons or Russell Westbrook. It's a popularity contest and people put in Russell Westbrook's name just as a of reflex. And he lost like 80 million dollars by not making all NBA. Sorry to see it, Bradley. Ooh. Maybe next year and uh you know I'll Venmo you 20 bucks. We can make a difference. <laughs> maybe maybe Jason Tatum he made it so you, you get some, hopefully you get an agent's cut off of that, Brad. There you go. There you go. Joel, I enjoy talking NBA hoops with you. Hey, this has I'll, been a pleasure. I'll be sliding into your DMs if anything interesting happens over the next few days. I'm going to try to figure out how I can do my seven-something parlay. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do some kind of seven-leg parlay on tonight's game, and I'll tell you all about it. All right, you'll have as good a luck just going to the 7-Eleven and buying lottery tickets, <laughs> but have fun, my friend. Hey, maybe I'll do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. I really appreciate it. Your support on Twitch, our YouTube, and Facebook channel for the Props Network. Uh, Always a pleasure, Joel. Ciao for now.